It's time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646 716 4972. Now, here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. It's Monday, November 11th, Veterans Day here in the U.S. For all of us, most of us that are listeners are U.S. Special salute to all of our veterans. So grateful for the freedoms that we enjoy today because of the sacrifices you made. Also to veterans' families that are celebrating this without your loved one or your loved one is, did not come back in the condition that he or she left. We just say thank you to you for your sacrifice. We're grateful. It is not forgotten. You know, Andy and I were just talking about we both saw this week in the movie Midway, and it's so appropriate for this day. They released it when they did, and oh man, that movie is good. If you have not seen the movie Midway, go out. We usually don't do movie reviews here on Looking at Lending, but it was really good, and it was so fun. I got to go to an air show. Andy, you can talk about it, but I actually stood next to the planes, the zeros that they used in the film filming of that, but it's a great movie. Andy, you started chiming in there? Well, just real quick, Dave, just to add to the audience that the, the reality that I heard in the movie that I think is actually true to life is the legitimate fear that the West Coast would be attacked and possibly yes. even occupied during World War II was a significant risk that was mitigated because of Midway. But can you imagine? Wow. I know. You know, you'll go back at that time. We look at it through the lens of history so we know what happens. But can only imagine if you lived in Seattle, San Francisco, or L.A., the fear that you would have had. It's just, or San Diego. It's just crazy, crazy, crazy. But anyway, back to the mortgage industry. Happy Veterans Day to everybody. And thank you, vets, for your contribution to what we enjoy as a lifestyle here in America today. And so I want to just say again, as we say each week, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're grateful to have you as our listener. Our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. Today's hot topic, we've got Pam Jenkins. She's the president and COO of Willow Bend Mortgage in Dallas, Texas. We were going to have her on live, but her chief financial officer is speaking at this time. She goes, oh, it's right a conflict, so we ended up pre-recording it. So we've got a great message. It gets edited. You, you'll really enjoy this interview. The reason we focus on that is to be talking about her journey throughout high school, right on into the mortgage industry, and now she's president of a mortgage company, a significant mortgage company up in Dallas, Willow Bend Mortgage. And we're thrilled to share her story with you. It's kind of following up in the spirit of Empower, empowering women to be all that they can be in this industry. And so be sure to stay tuned to the Hot Topics segment. We're also proud to be a part of the Industry Syndicate. You can check out all the podcasts at industrysyndicate.com. I could go on and on about all the shout I just want to shout out. To, the shout out we're going to give this week is to all those that walked up to us at the, the conference in Austin here a couple weeks ago and told us that they hear us on the podcast and they enjoy the podcast. And I just can't thank you enough for saying thank you. It makes it so nice. We're so grateful for our sponsors. Mortgage Bankers Association of America. If you're not a member of the MBA, you need to become a member. But you can at least get involved in Mortgage Action Alliance, MAW, Mortgage Action Alliance. So you can have your voice heard. The MBA does so much to make sure that the initiatives important to our industry are being heard on Capitol Hill. And you can add your voice. So we thank you to the MBA. 
for their sponsorship and encourage you, even if you are or are not a member of the NBA, to sign up for Mortgage Action Alliance. Search the app, Mortgage Action Alliance, or MAW, M-A-A, abbreviation, in the App Store, and you'll see it and sign up. You can just click a few clicks. And uh, what's more interesting, it's an interesting read of what's going on. We listened to Alice Alvey's segment. Great way to get the information along with Alice's delivery of all that. But another way to find out what's going on and the initiatives are flowing through the, the legislature is by signing up for the Mortgage Action Alliance. They list them all out. I went back through and read through all of them in preparation for going to the NBA annual conference. It was really good to get versed in what's going on. Also, want to say a special thank you to Black Knight. They have the actionable intelligence platform to deliver data that drives growth, reduces costs, And I encourage you to go to blackknightinc.com. Appreciate them. And then also a big shout out to Tyler Sherman there, who's doing some really exciting stuff. Going to get him on the podcast. And be sure to go back to listen to last week's podcast. You know those little things, those little fees that we don't think about? They're not so little anymore. Check out last week's podcast with Black Knight. We had a great interview. Also, a special thank you to Open Mortgage, leading buyer of reverse mortgages in a home of some of the top LOs in the country, as well as Finastra, who's got their mortgage bot solution, automatically addresses compliance issues, enhanced borrower satisfaction, and increased productivity, as well as ResX Warehouse Lending, which is a division of United Bank, as well as Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative. Both of these co-ops create competitive advantages for you and your team. As you go to these meetings, you get up close and personal meetings with lenders and vendors. You can't get that. Check it out. Also, you know, like TMC has their benchmarking index. It's really well done. Lori Brewer does that over at LBA where it's really good. Excellent information there. Want to know how you can stack up to your competition? Sign up. TMC's got that. It's really, really strong advantage. I know Lenders One is doing something similar and is getting that up and running. Also, Community Mortgage Lenders of America, grateful to be a part of them as well. They are not a competitor to the MBA. If you're an independent community lender, you should check out that association, as well as Velma, an efficient mortgage marketing email platform we use for getting the word out. You can use the same thing. Very affordable. That's the part I love about that system. With all these CRMs and everyone's pumping out POSs away, check out Velma. It's a very affordable solution. As is KnowledgeCube, providing an easy way and fun training for your lenders and your operational staff. Then also, finally, we want to say thank you to Vidyard as well as AI Assist. And finally, especially, I said this is the second final. So this is my last and final final. Special thank you to Alice, Andy, Alan, Joe for their contributions each week for the podcast. We gave Rob Van Rapphorst the day off today. It's a Veterans Day, but so let's get right into Les Parker's segment with this week's TM Spotlight and the macro view of the markets. TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by Amesworth Advisors. Fed tried so hard and got so far. But in the end, it doesn't even matter. Compare the Fed, WeWork, and mortgage bankers. They all try hard. The Fed tries to stimulate the economy, but in the end, it really doesn't matter. WeWork burns millions in cash trying hard to outrun the flames. Now investors have lost their enthusiasm for unicorns who prioritize rapid growth (laughs) over profits. When mortgage lenders focus on production and not profits, then investors and warehouse lenders abandon them. Because in the end, growth doesn't even matter. These views are my own. 
go to tmspotlight.com to subscribe to my daily newsletter. Good job, Les. Appreciate that. Gary Kentrabone and Les Parker team up to do the TM Spotlight. Check out the tmspotlight.com to subscribe to Les's email. It's free, and the best part, he does have a paid version that has a little more information there, but start off with a free version. Get used to reading that. That's what I did about 38 years ago with Les. That's how I got to know him. Brilliant guy. Great information in there. Joe Farr, let's get focused on what's going on. Good to have you here live with us. What's going on this week? I know we got not nothing happening much today, but... Well, you know, there's some interesting stuff going on in the stock market. Expectations for a trade deal took a turn over the weekend, and stocks were down initially. That was down 100 points or so earlier in the day. Apparently, Boeing has announced it's going to get its uh, 737 feet back in service soon, and I think it's pulled the uh, the Dow back up to a positive level. But yeah, everything still focus is focused on the China trade deal, and uh, now we got Hong Kong in there too, as its protests have become more violent and adds another point of uncertainty. But looking at last week, Dave, MBS prices fell by about 60 basis points, and that was about the same gain that they had the week before. So it was a, basically a wash, and mm-hmm. and of course the cause of the drop was that optimism was growing for a trade deal with China, at least a deal that would reduce tariffs between the two countries. And then uh, October ISM services came in better than expected. That's a major report. It's a big segment of the economy, and to see that improve and and exceed expectations was was an important report. But you can imagine the stock market liked all this, but as happens, as the stock market improved and closed at all-time highs, it was not good for mortgage-backed security prices or mortgage rates. You know, the calendar last week had an army of Fed speakers set to be yeah. heard, and all of them you know, did little to change the market's expectation on Fed policy. So they were basically a non-event, as was the other economic data. Uh, Joe's report came out, and it did show a drop in job openings, and that was a little bit concerning as you know, it's a, it could be a sign of slowing, but then you turn around and you see a very good consumer sentiment. <laughs> yeah, it, it good number. So, you know, it's offsetting. Now, looking at this week, Dave, you know, everything's going to continue to be driven by headlines over trade talk. Mm-hmm. But there is some economic data that you should pay attention to to move the market this week. Starting on Wednesday, we'll see the consumer price index and its core value, the core CPI for October, is expected to show a 2.4% inflation rate over the last 12 months, which is unchanged from last month. But if it if it moves much in either direction, that could be a market moving event. And then overseas, there are a couple of things too. On Thursday, Germany is going to make an announcement as to its third quarter, basically its GDP. I'm not sure they call it that. And, and China is also going to be making an announcement about its, its business activity and. Germany is on the verge of a recession if they have another quarter of a drop in this business activity report. So it'll be interesting to see, and you know, we'll yeah, see how those markets drive the stock market, which could affect the bond market. And then on Friday, U.S. retail sales will come out. These are the October numbers, and they're expected to show mm-hmm. some improvement from September. Also on the calendar this week, Dave, is Fed Chair Powell. He's going to be testifying before the Congressional Joint Economic Committee and uh, it's a hearing on the economic outlook. So most eyes and ears will be on Fed Chair Powell during that uh, during that testimony. Yeah, that could be a market mover. Anything he says, one way or another, big time, big information. That's good. Appreciate it so much, Joe, being here. And sure thing. I know you got to drop off. 
Have a great yeah. Veterans Day. Appreciate you, Frank. Thanks, thanks. Appreciate it. You can also, folks, go check out. You know, I, I get the daily updates. I've got a great relationship with so many of the different places out there that you can get information about the rates. You, you know, there's, I could just give a shout out to all of them. I was just about ready to give one out and I want to make sure I get his permission to do so. But get on your favorite service. In fact, let us know which favorite service you have, are using for monitoring interest rates. We'd like to know. Email me or text me at 512-632-2900. That's my cell phone. And I'd love to get an update on what of the various rate monitoring services do you use. Let's get over to hear from Scott Gordon of Open Mortgage talking about the science of sales. Scott Gordon here with a bit of sales science. Today we're going to take the next step in creating effective stories to grow your business. But remember, the three elements each story needs are one, a relatable hero, two, a relevant challenge, and three, an honest struggle. These three elements need to be in every story you tell, period. When you add these three elements together, they always lead to the same conclusion, which is a worthy lesson. When refining these stories, it's best to begin with the end in mind. After all, the worthy lesson is the purpose of your story. If your story has no purpose, you have no story. If you have no story, you're just rambling and wasting the listener's time. Also, if the story does not further your specific purpose, you have the wrong story. Is your primary motivator customer service? Great. Tell a story that showcases your passion for customer care and understanding. Are you primarily motivated by closing as many loans as efficiently as possible? Good. Tell your partners and customers so they know your driving purpose is delivery. Have a client that doesn't understand the difference between a home equity line of credit and a heckum? Good. Tell your story and it will serve as a beacon in the fog. Define the purpose of your story by asking questions about yourself as well as about your business partners and customers. Always consider the purpose while creating your story. If the story doesn't follow your purpose, you have the wrong story. Remember, creating effective stories is a science. There are formulas to follow that will yield measurable and proven results. Next time, we'll look at more essential elements of all good stories for your business. Until then, begin thinking about the worthy lesson. Your stories end so you can begin. Good job, Scott. Love that segment. Good job. Good educational content. And also check out their website, openmortgage.com. Okay, so I asked for a survey. We're hearing a lot of people, the vast majority of people, saying we use Barry Habib's service and we get the daily calls. Several people are calling. I use, I get the daily call, calls, any of the updates. Both he and his son do a great job of uh, getting the word out. I love that service. It's excellent. So check out Barry Habib, my good friend Barry. Give him a shout-out any chance I get. Alice is off today, enjoying a Labor Day, or I think maybe she was in a meeting. I'm not sure which. Whichever it is, we wish Alice the best. But I wanted to use this time to talk about Mortgage Action Alliance. Again, we talked about it at the opening. There's so many bills that are going through the House and Senate. And you can have your voice heard. That technology that they use that's driving the Mortgage Action Alliance app, the MAW app, is really powerful because it lists out the bill. There's a summary of it. And then there's a way for you to communicate. They already got the letter constructed. All you have to do is say click. And then when you have the app, you'll have your information loaded, your zip code, your where it is. So it's going to be sent to the appropriate representatives. Encourage you to check out the Mortgage Action Alliance app. Use it, folks, so your voice is heard in D.C. You should be a member of the MBA, but you do not have to be a member of the MBA. 
I also want to say a special thank you to Knowledge Coop. Nathan Nottingham does a great job. Let's get a quick word from him talking about the smart digital platform and how lenders can educate their growing staff. Volume's up. And I tell you, you've got to find a way to educate your staff. Listen to this message from Nathan Nottingham of Knowledge Coop. Hey, Nathan here from the Knowledge Coop. Do you need to teach a course? Have you considered maybe using the Socratic method? See, it's a process of using questions that engage learners to question their assumptions in order to eliminate contradictions. The primary goal is not to have listeners try to answer unanswerable questions, but to get them to develop critical thinking and to keep them engaged in your topic. Have you got some training to do? Check out the Knowledge Cube for fun and easy video-based training for the mortgage professionals out there. And it's all powered by a smart digital platform. Good job. Appreciate those guys. Ken Perry, that uh, founded that company, is such a character. I was watching one of their videos, training videos, over the weekend, and it was so well done. I mean, it's just it's entertaining. And as we hire more and more millennials, we're looking for ways to communicate with them in an effective way. Check it out. Good technology, great product. Speaking of technology, we've got Alan Pollock here with this week's weekly tech update. Alan, always interested in what you have to say, friend. What you got? Yeah, today won't be any uh, dry humor, but uh, thanks for allowing me to be back this week. Uh, thank you for serving to all of our uh, all of our amazing veterans. And you know, I'll start this week off instead of the dry humor. My daughter's school actually this past weekend. So we've got the Wounded Warrior Foundation here in Jacksonville, and they do these big right. events every year. Yeah, it was a 5K race, and they had over 5,000 runners or something in that range. You know, they salute disabled and even just retired veterans. And it was just amazing to see the people walking and running in the race. Uh, But more importantly, the kids were doing something. They were giving back. And so I volunteered with them and we handed out waters and, you know, just cheered on the racers as they came across the finish line. Ah, That's good. Absolutely amazing stories of just pain and suffering and accomplishment. And so we really don't give our veterans enough. You know, we talk about it, but I don't know how much we do. So, you know, last week I mentioned at the end of the session that I was going to talk about a piece I couldn't get to, which was MCT and a new yeah. product they have called Investormatic. But I'm going to I'm going to really we'll push that to next week. I want to focus on oh, a couple things. Oh, cut it out. On. Push it out twice. Yeah, okay. We'll <laughs> um, but it's it's worthy to to talk about next week, but I think this is a little bit more important and it works well with today's topic. So, there's a company out there called Vetentech all one word. And what they do is they support current and returning veterans with reintegration services, helping them get reconnected into our national technology ecosystem. And so they're committed to bringing together not just veterans, but their families as well, a tech-specific network. They give resources and programs for our veterans to get more education, help them in entrepreneurship, and even with employment. And what's kind of interesting about it is they work with them on leadership. You can get mentoring. They'll help you write your resume. They have employment services. Uh, They even will do webinars, which they have a ton of, and they've got a big gala coming up. So if you're interested, they take donations. Um, I don't know how big the organization is. I've spent a lot of time investigating them, but I've seen enough to know that they're really trying to do something good. So check it out. It's V-E-T-S-I-N-T-E-C-H. If you've got jobs in the mortgage industry and you're looking to hire veterans, go ahead and list your jobs with them. Absolutely. And then, you know, with that kind of interesting, you know, we talk about veterans and technology. Well, you know, we it's called Vet Tech, so very similar in name to Veteran Tech. tech. This is actually by (laughs) by our government. It's the VA, and uh, they call it 
veteran employment through technology. And what they're saying, it started really in, in April of 2019, so this year, and they're looking to get really motivated, hardworking veterans into technology jobs. And they basically work with um, national training systems. They put together coding boot camps. There is a, a really? number, and I didn't bring the number to the, to the call, yeah, but there's X percentage of employment opportunities still available in coding with at least six-figure salaries. And so what their job, what, what vet tech is trying to do is to really help veterans get the training they need and the reintegration back into society after being away or being disabled and to get those different types of jobs in computer software, information sciences, cybercrime, media application, you name it. It's, it's all listed. The VA has a lot of great stuff. But they talk about this one company. Check this out. It's called Apprenti or Apprenti. It's A-P-R-E-N-T-I, David. And what they provide is veterans can take a free online assessment of tests and basic math abilities and soft skills like leadership and critical thinking. If they pass it, then what they do is they get to go to one of the top one-third of, well, I'm sorry, the top one-third of candidates, rather, my bad, are yeah. offered interviews at tech companies, including giants like Microsoft and Amazon, and they will stay in that apprenticeship. It's a GI Bill eligible, meaning that they can use their benefit to pay for living expenses. Uh, yeah. They get a median salary of at least 51000 plus benefits. It's one year, and if all goes well, they get a permanent job. Right now, 85% of the participants that are going through this program, sponsored by the VA for Apprenti, are retained by the company in which they did their apprenticeship. So there are things out there. It's more about exposure. And when you think about technology, you know, th that article I read uh, that was at the VA it actually talks about how skilled and how well-trained our VAs are in technology and the fact that we're not offering them enough opportunities in each of our, in FinTech in general. So... If you want to hire veterans or you're interested in sponsoring, you want to contact the VA. And then, you know, two more things I want to talk about, and one is going to end really specific in mortgage. This next one, David, is about an article I read in DS News about New Day. And we all know who New Day is or a top right. leader in our country. Absolutely. What this article starts off with, the volume with Veteran Affairs, the VA, has grown the first quarter of this year. It was about 119,000 loans. And in second quarter this year, it jumped up to 155,000 loans. So yes, it's, a, it's not major in fluctuation, but it's quite high. Some of it could do to the rate environment, but some of it could do to education and technology. What this article really talks about is how does technology help enable what's been talked about as a complex VA loan? How does technology help make that more possible? You want to read the article. It's very interesting. I pulled out just one point from the article, which really just has to do with the ability to automate a lot of the process right, the VA issue a certificate of eligibility, answering the right VA questions online. Those things that used to take many weeks can now be done in 24 hours. And, and all of those very important dates that, you know, VAs move around. Veterans move around a lot, right? They, they get either redeployed or they're reintegrating back into society. Their families are moving. So because of that, there's a lot of confusion that these loans are complex. But with technology, what this article is saying is that we can move the process along for VA more specifically. So hopefully the jump in those numbers, by the way, what the VA's reported from second to third quarter is truly accurate, and it is because of technology. I'd love to hear that that's the full case. And then, David, ending today with something very mortgage-specific, we all or some of us may know Grant Moon. He's the CEO and founder of VA Loan Captain. It's a VA loan marketplace, so he is uh, a VA himself, a veteran, actually, 
he created this company, what they do is they get participating lenders in their platform and each lender signs what's called a Veterans Guarantee Pledge. And his technology platform aggregates like a portal, a lead portal in a way, all of the different prices and the information from these different lenders together. They waive the origination ah. fees. You can save up to 1% of the loan value. And he's got all kinds of resources for VAs. He's got the ultimate guide to VA loans. Um, they educate their veterans. They help walk them through the agreements and the approval process. They provide rates from those lenders as well. And they also ensure that everybody generating a VA loan through their platform is certified so that that complexity is taken away. So with that, David, great topics today. I want to make sure that, you know, we consider VAs as we move forward. Everything in every part Helping of our, our veterans, is, yep. A- absolutely. That's today's tech update. We'll talk about MCT Good. and the Investormatic piece uh, next week. It'll be exciting. And we are talking about the way VA underwrites their loans. They do it differently. They do the residual income approach. It's my favorite way to analyze income. I wish the whole industry would adopt that universally across the board. It should be done that way. I was talking to Chris Ringrose so at Summit Funding, and we were talking about that on Friday. He goes, why don't we adopt that? That's a good approach. So VA gets a lot of shout-outs. I'll yeah. end you just on this. I don't think there's enough education for the VAs to yeah. understand what's out there. And it, sometimes it's just about education, not even technology. It's a great service to do. Is your lender looking for some way to get in and provide him, you know, make a difference in your market? Provide veteran education. It plays well both with the vets as well as just within the community that we're supporting you, that you are supporting your vets, lenders. So good job, Alan. Great, great reminder. Appreciate it so much. Have a great rest of your day. All right, folks, I want to say a special thank you to Fenastra. You know, one of the things everyone asks, what are you looking at this week as a consultant, Dave? And I'm getting retained more and more about thoughts about technology. Where should we be going? Now, there's a lot of great consultants out there. Andy's wife, Teresa, does consulting in this area, so there's a lot of great resources. But one of the ones that comes up, they go, yeah, but you're good at sales. What would you use if you were selling, Dave? And I got to tell you, I checked out Vanastra's Mortgage Bot Mobile. <laughs> you got it right. Delivers app-like experience for the whole mortgage loan experience. It, it, you can brand it around you like, well, everybody can do it. But the way they do it is so nice. And the fonts that they use, the color schemes, it's just a real slick system. But the part that I like the best, it's so simple, straightforward to use to getting the questions, to engage your customers with the right questions. Also, as the saying goes, it's faster than a rocket. Great way to compete with that other company out there. Check them out. Tell me what you you think when you talk to them. They also have a great point of sale. Finastra does. Check out Finastra on our advertisers page. Appreciate them as a sponsor. And let's get over to the profit doctor, Andy Shell. Good to have you here, friend. Hi, Dave. Pleasure to be here today on Veterans Day. Your dad was a veteran. My dad was a veteran. And so they both served. Fortunately, they did come home, and they, but many didn't. But So shout out to our parents, our dads, for what they did. Thank you. Absolutely. Shout out to all the veterans, both from, well, most of the, the World War II veterans are, are passing, but the, and the World War I are gone. Korea still around, Vietnam yeah. certainly, lots around, and all the desert storms and subsequent are obviously very prevalent. So it's an ongoing, ongoing opportunity, as Alan was stating, to support uh, veterans in various ways. So today, today we'll talk about, talk about communication and financial results. How's that sound? Oh, Communication wow. design and financial results. So accountants are trained to present financial information, and accounting typically presents financial results in a column of numbers, a stack of numbers. And each of these rows 
that show a number, that number means something. That total is a total of something. It's a bunch of other things all added up. It could be total cash. It could be total gain on sale. It could be total payroll expense. It could be total profit. Mm -hmm. But they're all different numbers, and those numbers are a summation of a bunch of other stuff. So we, we look at this row of this column of numbers with all these rows, and we, we're supposed to read it, and that's how they present financial information. We also know that lots of research has shown that understanding financial results is key to business success. You've got to know your numbers. You've got to know what those or that that column of numbers of rows of numbers. You got to know what each one of those means. So having a having a very detailed financial result is great. Having lots of information is important. But the key is the numbers have to be understood, and that's that's where we sometimes have challenges because we've also have lots of research that shows that columns of numbers are hard to read. It's not hard to demonstrate that, but the numbers have to be understood to be able for the business to be successful. So we've got this we've got this contradiction. We know numbers are hard. Accounting presents information in in columns of numbers, but numbers are hard to read and you have to be able to understand it to be successful. So we just kind of are hitting our head against the wall with this contradiction of understandability versus accounting presentation design. So true. Which is which is actually very structured. You actually have to supplement it. So we can overcome this, though, by adding to the results. So we're not going to change the P&L, the balance sheet, the statement of cash flows. Those reports have to be part of a financial presentation, but and then part of the part of the financial statements include obviously the P&L. But we've got to make it understandable. So let's add some charts and graphs and pictures. People love pictures, so let's use let's create a chart. Let's create a chart that's a column of color. And then that can be representing one of the numbers. And then let's put right next to it another column of another color that represents another number. And that way we can see which one's bigger than the other. This sounds so simple. I know, Dave, you may be thinking, what are you, where are you going with this? Of course, it's easier to read stacks of color to represent numbers. Because it is a great way to present information. But here's the problem. CPAs are not trained to present data yeah. in columns of numbers, columns of color. We're presented, we have to present in columns of numbers. So we, there's a transition, and I'm, I'm making a point of this because there needs to be an overt effort in order to transform the column of numbers into a column of color. And each color is a, represents a range of numbers. So we in accounting have a choice. We can, we, we can choose to augment the financial statements, and we can do that by turning numbers into columns of color. And it's super easy. We can convert the columns into number, uh, convert the numbers into columns of color using Excel. It's not difficult to do. We just need to take the effort to do it. So the, the part of the challenge is every month in accounting is rush, 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 rush. Get the numbers out. And so you produce the P&L because that's what comes out of the financial system. And then all of a sudden, okay, here you go. But that's a column of numbers. We have to take a little bit more time and take that data and turn it into these charts and graphs and pictures, and then people can understand what it is that we're talking about, where revenue is more or less an expense because it's presented as a column of colors. Unarguably, this makes it easier to understand financial results, and understanding financial results is what leads to success and profit. So why don't we do this on everything? 
Well, it's because that's not how accountants are trained. So part of my training is to teach people how to make this conversion. And while there's tons of systems that, that Alan could probably rattle off that can do this, it's not a matter of having the tools because you can do it in Excel. It's a matter of making the choice to augment the financial statements, and it needs to be both a top-down and a bottom-up. The CEOs need to ask for information presented in charts and graphs and pictures, and the accountants need to commit to accept the reality that columns of numbers are not easy to understand. So therefore, you've got to take that one more step that drives understandability. And that's what I'm passionate about, Dave, helping people understand their business, understand their numbers, using charts and graphs and colors to do that. That is so good, and you do a great job of telling the story. And one of the things I like about the way you tell the story is you do it in a way you break it down for people, but adding colors to reports just really helps. You used to do this for me. I was one of the ones that I said, hey, could you put this and add this color and do that? Because the 85%, I'm not sure, I have to go back and re- look at the statistics. I remember some book I read, I think it's The Gift of Dyslexia, as many as the highest percentage, 85% of executives have some level of dyslexia. I've got it, and I always appreciate it when people present numbers with some color around it. So it helps. Well, so that's great. Let point. me add two seconds to that, Dave. So yeah. that, that, that circumstance occurred in 2007, and mm-hmm. I was coming out of my own advisory services company where I was a CPA and provided CPA-ish kind of services. And here I am yeah. hooking up with Dave, who's been doing a, a lot of strategy and, and communication consulting along with a bunch of other stuff. And he says to me, you need to use colors. And I'm like, you know, puff my chest out. I don't need to use <laughs> colors. I'm a CPA. Don't you tell me how to present numbers. I mean, not literally. I didn't actually say that to him. No, but, 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 but the point is, it's a reaction that accountants have. It's like, what do you mean my financial statements aren't right? I spent 15 years learning how to do this. So it's true, though. You're absolutely correct. You, using colors is monumental in increasing visual adoption and and being able to then take yeah. that that visual connection and have it create meaning making. They call it in academia. Yeah. Meaning making means we can understand what it is, and the colors and graphs and charts do that. It's astounding, and yet, how many people actually do it? It was so amazing. I was talking to a CFO, not one of our clients and not one of your clients because they would know better than say this, but they said, hey, listen, my job is to pres- to gather the data. It's their job to figure it out. I mean, it's like uh, it would just blew me away. So I think people need to pay attention to this message. And you're getting a Ph.D. now in communications on top of it. My gosh, where is this going to stop? But it's so I'm so excited about it because teaching the financial, the, the CFOs of the world, finance folks in the world, how to present information is so critical because it will help so many companies, Andy. Kudos. Good job today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. You bet. Check out Andy Shell. Email Andy, Andy at mbs-team.com. We partnered up on that company many years ago. So grateful for the partnership that continues on today. Appreciate it, him and your contribution. Folks, you can listen to all you of too. Andy's wisdom. Yeah, thank you, Andy. And we can listen to all your wisdom by going over to the website, looking on a lending website. And when you go there, you're at the top under shows. And then you can see below that, you see, I mean, click on shows just to the right of the homepage. There's the hot topic segment, a list of all of them. There's the weekly updates, a list of all of them. And the MBA Mortgage Minute, the legislative Alice Alves, and then all the way there is we've got 
course, the prophet doctor. So you want to go back and listen. Gosh, what did Andy say? I really like that. You want to get binging on someone? Get binging on Andy or Alice or any one of us. You can go do so by going onto the website under the show category and getting a list of just all their wisdom, all stacked up. Good job, Andy Shell. Appreciate you so much. That wraps up this week's regular weekly update of our podcast. We're so grateful for all of you that listen to this. And we're going to now get right into the hot topic segment. We break this program with, for those of you listening live, we do it all the way through. But those of you that are listening on downloaded basis, we do and break them into two separate topics. So, Stay tuned, because you're going to want to listen to the hot topic that's coming up next. Folks, I am excited to have with me on the podcast Pam Jenkins. We were just together at the Empower event here in Austin, Texas. And as you know, it's empowering women in the industry. And there's so many wonderful stories. But this one is up close and personal for me. I have been working with Pam, interacting with Pam for a number of years. And I've seen the growth that she has gone through. And she had already become a pretty powerful executive, listeners. But what happened since she and I started working together is quite honestly amazing to me. She is the President and Chief Operating Officer for Willow Bend Mortgage, located up in Plano, Texas. Pam Jenkins, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy turnaround this company day to join us on the podcast. Well, it's my pleasure, David. I really appreciate this opportunity. It is a real opportunity for us to hear and motivate and encourage people and get into what you're doing up there because it's quite a successful turnaround story. But let's start from the beginning, the mortgage industry. How did you get started in it? Tell us the story. David, I've been in the mortgage industry for 29 years. I am what I call a mortgage brat. My mom was in the mortgage industry, my uh, stepdad, my whole family, and at my house, if you were going to go to Thanksgiving or Christmas, all of the conversations centered around mortgage loans, loan files, and industry trends. So for a very long time. So did you actually then say, oh, I'm so inspired by my mom and by my family that I just got to get in the mortgage industry? <laughs> no, it was quite the opposite. When I was in high school, I knew exactly what I wanted in life. And I had taken all of the necessary steps to go to Austin Community College to be a paramedic and to be a Starflight paramedic. That was my lifelong ambition, and I was very certain of the direction I was headed. I really I didn't want to be like my mom. I was in high school, right? I thought I knew everything. Yeah. So <laughs> life took a twist for me right out of high school. I was married. My husband got hurt in a natural gas fire, and he was in the hospital while school started. And my mom, being the wonderful person that she is, she called me and said, you know, Pammy, if uh, you're not going to go to college, why don't you come to work for me at the mortgage company? And when you need flexibility, absolutely, we're family. I'll be there for you. And so over the course of the next few months, my friends went to college, and I stayed the course at the mortgage industry while my husband healed. And at the end of that journey, I had fallen in love with the mortgage process. What is it about the process that you fell in love with? Is it just something that fits with your nature that you hadn't seen before? So for me, I do like the investigative part of taking the loan application and the mechanics of verifying the information. But it's really kind of the art of telling the story. This is who my borrower is, what their financial situation is. And this is uh, how they qualify for this dream 
I really fell in love with talking to the clients and the realtors about home ownership, what it means for the families. I cheesy, I picture our borrowers going to bed their first night in the house and what that means. So the process piece of it interests me on the workload level, but it's bigger than that. It really is the American dream and it just really is nothing better than owning your own home. Yeah, yeah, that's why I like you so much. We have that in so much in common. It's something when the first time you help somebody get into their home for the first time, and and in my case, I helped. I started out by getting all the deals that no one else wanted, so I took the rejects and and worked with them, and they are so much more appreciative than the ones with the the easy ones, I guess. And so it, it really hooks you. The first one I did was just like that. It's you you. You make such a difference in people's lives. But let's talk a little bit about your journey in your mortgage banking career. What are the positions you started out just helping your mom process? And then walk us through quickly the, the various, if the companies or the positions at least that you work for to get you where you're at. Because it's really important. It's, it's a good journey. Well, I've held almost every role in a mortgage organization that you can hold. I have been a loan originator, a branch manager. I've worked extensively in sales, but I've also worked extensively on the operations side, processing, underwriting, closing, shipping, post-closing, and operations management. And the way I got there was my mom gave me some really great advice when I was young. She told me not to be afraid to try out different positions to find my passion in the industry. She said, if you're not going to go to college and you're going to be working in this world, in this environment, you really have to know things. You can't just pretend to know things. So move around, experience life. But if you ever change a job, make sure that they miss you when you're gone. Work hard enough Great advice. and be honest and be truthful. And when you move on, if they miss you, it'll be okay that you made that break. Learn everything you can learn and be the best you can be. But, but what I held on to was the find your passion part. And it really That's freed so me good. up to hold different roles at different companies. That's so good. I love that. I love that. You have made quite a transition here recently. You were head of operations at a previous company that we both, that I advised and worked on and was part of that journey, at least part of the time you were there. And you have made that transition from head of operations where you were loved and respected by them and you left and you were missed, but they were also sold. So there's a bit of a transition that took place there. And then this opportunity at Willow Bend opened up to be the president and uh, chief operating officer, you're running the show is really the reality. You are equal to a president CEO of any other company out there in the marketplace. When you were considering this opportunity, was this something that you felt that you were ready for? Or did it happen? Or are you going like, yes, it's finally here? Talk about that. Because I think a lot of people don't think that they're ready. And I want to speak you to speak to that. Well, I wasn't looking for a new opportunity when this opportunity came knocking on my door. So I don't think I had any forethought that I was ready for it or that it was the next natural step in my career. Uh, I had a really great job at a dynamic organization. I was feeling successful and things are going really well. And I got a phone call out of the blue talking about this opportunity and Honestly, I had a coach that was working with me at the time, and I wasn't sure that I was even going to take the interview, that I was you know, going to seek this out. And she's really great at challenging me. She said, 
have you ever interviewed for the role of president of any other organization? I said, no, I have not. She goes, so why wouldn't you believe in yourself enough to just go see what it's all Good. about? You're not being disrespectful. You're not being, you know, cheating on anybody, but you've received this honor of an opportunity to talk about this. Why wouldn't you just go find out? And David, from there, things went really very quickly. So I don't think I had time to wonder if I was ready for the role or not until I actually showed up. As you know the story, I was advising the company where you are now the president. I was advising the the board and the owner of the company, and he's a uh, investor owner, and he has other interests in the real estate and finance industry. Great guy. And your name surfaced because of someone you'd worked with. And again, you made one heck of an impression. This person, who is a big fan of yours, came forward and said, there is no one else you need to consider. Pam Jenkins, for this kind of situation we're going into, is absolutely the person. So I, I think it's doing well wherever you're at. I'm not sure every job was... Well, if it's like yours, I think it's like most of us, not every job is the ideal panacea. I love this job. There's aspects of difficulty in every job because we're all different in how we work. But somehow you made the transition and you jumped at this opportunity. So whoever was coaching you back then, kudos to that person. I'm sure they'll listen to this podcast. You've done a heck of a job in leadership at Willowbend Mortgage. And uh, I, as I know, and without getting into the whole story about it, but it was, it was a challenge. You were stepping into something that was what I would say a bit toxic because of a former leader that was there. And um, you really brought this thing together. And I want to talk about the journey because oftentimes when you come into your first opportunity, it's not like everyone's rolling out the red carpet. What got rolled out in front of you was anything but the red carpet. There was some real resistance. Now, you had the support of the owner, and you had support of certain team members, but it wasn't exactly uh, a warm welcome. There, there wasn't a basket of fruit from the person that was there previously who is still there. Talk about that, that, uh, that journey a little bit. Well, I think that the interview process uh, was really honest and transparent, so I knew I wasn't walking into an ideal situation. Uh, in order to prepare myself, I went back to a couple of books that I'd read in the past. One of them, um, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni, uh, gave yeah, me great it. advice. And it said, you know, trust that you don't know what you don't know, and you need some time to figure out who the organization is and who the players and the key players of the organization are. So I made a plan to, to show up and to work hard and ask a lot of questions uh, and really not provide my thoughts or ideas in the first, you know, 45 to 90 days so that I could figure out where that toxicity was coming from and really, uh, you know, what was causing the challenges. And I think that when you allow yourself a little bit of time to investigate and find the truth, things tend to fall into place a little better. I found so many phenomenal people here at Willowbend Mortgage. Everybody wanted the same thing. They want success for each other. They want to close loans on time, take care of their referral partners. So the goals were aligned, but the methodologies on how to get there were not aligned. And by taking just a little bit of time and honoring all of the success that the company had created before me, uh, it gave me enough space to come in and build some relationships so that we could have that unified vision in a more organized fashion for what our future means. 
Listeners, if you had any idea what's behind that story, and it's something I respected so much about you, I think it's so tempting to come in with guns blazing, this is wrong, that's got to change, and you point finger. I was so blown away with the patience and the skill that you used by just listening, and like you said, honoring what had been there before, but also not ignoring the problem. So kudos to you, which really gets into leadership. How do you define leadership, Pam? Well, I think that all leaders are born with or have cultivated character and strength, discernment. But leadership, the word leadership to me, it boils down to action, having the courage to step forward and create change when you're not 100% sure of what the outcome will be. And the recipe and the tactics you use to move forward in that action are critical to success. So for me, a leader is somebody who is willing to take the responsibility for the outcome onto their shoulders, but also inspire people or call to action for change or or for movement in a certain direction. That's good. I like that. What are some good examples of leaders that have inspired you along your way? You've worked for some good guys and some good gals, but who would you say inspired you and why? Well, that's a great question. And there's so many people that I would want to honor with that answer. I think that I have been blessed to work with phenomenal leaders in the mortgage space. And I wouldn't leave anyone out, but one that that I can remember kind of off the top of my head is, you know, I was 13 years with AmeriPro Home Loans and I worked with a really executive group of executives there. One of the newcomers to the organization kind of later in our life, Rachel Fowler, she came in and she really showed her strength and leadership. She had an exquisite way of listening to the challenges that people were having and really being patient in our conversation so that every time somebody came to her with a challenge, the sky was falling, the moving truck was in the driveway, we're about to have a baby, we got to do this right now. She she (laughs) really showed me that the art of listening is the skill like getting the response that you need out of people in any given situation. So she's one, but but there's so many, Dave. My mother uh, was a senior mortgage executive uh, at a time where there weren't that many female senior mortgage executives, and she definitely taught me how to be tough and still be female. She also uh, she taught me that uh, the art of communication and the order that you put your words in is how people will assess your leadership style and skill, and she's definitely inspired me you know, beyond, beyond everyone. There's such strength in uh, parents, and when the parents are in the mortgage industry and help you get into it, and then it be that inspiration, it's, it's just so powerful. Let's talk about some of the characteristics or traits that you believe every leader must possess. Well, in order to be a leader, you have to have the ability to inspire people and share your vision in an impactful way so that people understand what the goals are. So uh, character plays into that, communication style, and the willingness to be bold with your actions and and, uh, your tempered behavior. I think maybe patience, I would throw that in there too, Dave. (laughs) Yeah, patience is a big one. That's one. And that's the part where you took over Willowbin. The patient process that you went through to uh, Rachel that taught you to listen, that was so evident. And 
I was awestruck. Literally, I was so blown away because so many leaders would have come in, boy, that is screwed up. We're going to change this. And you took the time. And I think a lot of people who may have been wondering, is this person going to pull this off, just sat down and going, wow, look at the patience. And that is something I encourage our listeners to, to go back. And if you get a chance to ever meet Pam, talk to have her tell you about that. Pam, you've had to replace some executives. You've had to rebuild the executive team to a certain degree. Talk about what you look for in a leader. Talk about what you believe a good leader must possess when you're hiring someone. Take this now into your process of hiring that leader. What are you looking for? Well, the thing that I I interview towards the most is the ability to make a decision and the process by which decisions are made. So when I'm looking for leaders to join the organization, I spend a lot of time talking about real-life scenarios and asking, what are your thoughts on this? What would you do in that situation? And why do you think that is? Every now and then, uh, when you have somebody you know, on the other side that's a little less patient in the conversation, it tells you how they will be with their staff and their people. When you keep going and digging deeper into that, how do you feel and what would you do, you can read a lot from their body language. So I think for me, number one is can you make a decision? What's the process you use to make a decision? And once you make a decision, what's your speed to action? character, communication style, all of those other things I think have to be there. But in order to be successful and effective with me or in this organization, I really look for people that can call the ball. Yep, and execute. And then, then, and then gaining the asking the questions to get insights into the process, how they make the question. That's one of the things I have learned as I've watched you interview and seen you bring on people. And you're bringing on a solid A team there. I'm really impressed. Let's look at some of the biggest challenges you see facing leaders today. You are involved with the industry. You watch many leaders. You're a student of the industry. What are some challenges or the biggest challenges we're facing today as leaders? I think when you look forward for the next 10 years and the amount of technology that's headed our direction, I think change fatigue is going to be one of the biggest challenges that we as leaders face because right when we get our process down and and we, we know exactly what it looks like, either a new technology or a new regulation is going to come at us and we're going to have to go back into our staff and re-inspire and, and reanalyze and create change. So. I think being able to keep your organization sharp and ready for change and excited about change is a hard thing to do and one of the biggest challenges that we have. I think you nailed it with so much coming at us in technology. It's it's phenomenal. And yes, it is bringing about a lot of the way the process. You talk about process. You're you have been very purposeful in how you go about the process. Are you changing? Are you seeing the need to change processes based on the new technology that's coming in? And we're seeing this new millennial generation become the primary dominant uh, home buyer of the future. Uh, is it resulting in us having to really thoroughly redo how we go about the mortgage process? I think yes. I think that, you know, the more information our buyers have accessible to them nights and weekends through the internet and all of the different information uh, outlets that they have today, it does change how we need to meet our consumer demand. So we have to be open-minded to changing our process to meet their needs. I also think great mortgage companies today need to look at automating as much of the mortgage process as they can for the the administrative side 
to give room for those dynamic and phenomenal communicators on the sales side to focus on what they do best, finding loans, inspiring borrowers, and transferring trust into the organization. So I think we have to look at all of it because uh, our borrowers are going to want more in the future than in the past based on what type of borrower they are. Yeah, so true. And uh, transferring trust, that's a big word. Working at the speed of trust is a book out there that I really like. Let's talk a little bit about what you're seeing as mistakes that leaders are making in the marketplace that you're going, oh, don't want to do that, may make that mistake. And then it's also kind of tied into the next question, which is what derails leaders? Well, some of the mistakes that I see out there are not being transparent enough with your organization about the decisions that you're making. I do feel like as leaders, we kind of have to open the kimono to the reality of what it takes to run the organization. And the better uh, educated your company is on how their role impacts the financial statement, your ability to invest, and, and really the overall process, the easier it is for you to inspire to change. So uh, I've seen a couple of examples where leaders are more closed off about their initiatives or why they're doing the things that they're doing. And it's you know, kind of made it harder for people to follow them. I think what derails leaders is kind of a lack of integrity or a lack of honesty. If you're not willing to put it all out there, uh, I think it's harder to get the job done. Well, and you're in such a dynamic environment with what you've had to accomplish there. You have accomplished so much. You've built trust. You've been transparent. But there's things that just come out of the blue. They get thrown at you. How have you sorted through those some of the things where we thought we were going down a path and then all of a sudden you go, nope, we've got to make a change here. How, how, how transparent are you about those times where you need to take a hard right or hard left? Well, I think that 2% of what I know should be held back and protected and 98% of it should be shared. So it's really just a small percentage that has to be held back. So I'm extraordinarily transparent. I, I tend to lead with trust and I expect you know, the, the members of the organization to honor that and understand that, you know, when you're Willow Bend proud and you're working hard here every day, that we can, we can all be on the same page and know what it takes to run the company, but we're going to protect that and, and do the right thing with it. Yeah, it does. It's good. As we wrap up this interview, Pam, let's talk about paying it forward. What is some advice you would give someone seeking to go into a leadership position for the first time, whether starting lower in the ranks, never been there, or they're at a leadership position, but they want to go up to the next level? Are there some principles you'd recommend for them? Well, first I would say just do it. I don't think that the opportunity to be a leader comes to you unless in some way, shape, or form your actions and your behaviors have earned it. Somebody is seeing something in you, calling you into leadership. So when the opportunity is there, my advice is do it. When you get there, make great decisions by asking yourself, is this a good decision and is it the right decision for me and my organization? But you got to show up to be able to ask those questions. So just do it. Just do it. I like that. You mentioned Patrick Lencioni is one of the resources you have used and pull on. I love that, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. He's got so many good books out there. My favorite one is The Advantage, which is the culmination of all those books. But what are some of the resources you'd recommend someone look into to gain insights to becoming a better leader in their journey to become a leader? So I believe that much of my success is credited to my peers in the industry 
And the resources that I relied on was my participation in the Mortgage Bankers Association and in Texas, specifically the Texas Mortgage Bankers Association, by showing up to those conferences and those meetings and engaging in those riveting conversations with people that do what you do and asking questions and brainstorming and just having fun and being around other creative, brilliant people, not only does it feel good for you and give you additional insights, but it also gives you relationships that spread farther than the organization you're in that that can provide you some opportunity. Plus the content at those conferences is always relevant to the time that we're in right now. And it could put your mind on a mindset to read this book or, or ask this question to as many people as you know. And uh, I think overall it has helped me be a smarter, more relevant leader. We got to give a shout out to what Marsha Davies is doing at with empower. You were there What are some of the takeaways you have from that event? So, you know, when they bring Mika Brzezinski in and the other dynamic speakers talking about how you reflect on your accomplishments and knowing your value, it really does give you the tools to think inside of yourself, like what are the things that I do well, what are the things that I don't do well, and how do I stop doing those? For me, at this last Empower event, while I was there at the Empower event, I received some news from my family that was a shock to my system and hard to take. And I got to tell you, David, being in that room with, you know, all those powerful ladies, it gave me a peer group, like the support and love that I received instantaneously Mm. from all of those ladies rallying around me and being there with me and supporting me and talking to me. It it just changes everything. It's a game changer. It means the world to me. The shout out to Marsha Davies is thank you for the opportunity for all of us to be in that mindset together, supporting each other and understanding the role we play in the industry. That's so good. Yeah, Marsha's done a great job, but it's so true. It is, it's really heartwarming to see how the women of the industry are coming together and supporting each other. Because, I mean, she told the funny story when she got on stage, and I, I was expecting when she started the story, she says, women have different challenges than men. And I was thinking, oh, where is this story going to go? And she says, for example, when I walked up on stage, I was wearing high heels. My heel got caught in the crack, and I had to do my, you know, the, the, my presentation with one shoe on and the other. I was without a shoe and I was on my tippy toes. It just brought awareness. to. It, it was lighthearted, but it really brought awareness to so many of the differences that what you all struggle with in, in, in the comparison. So uh, Pam, thanks so much for taking time to be here with us today. And for listeners, if you get a chance to meet Pam Jenkins, I encourage you to do so. Pam, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, I know you're busy, so don't flutter too much with calls and uh, emails. Well, I would love to uh, meet and hear from all of you. So my email address is pjenkins at wbm.com. And my phone number is area code 512-576-3675. Thank you, Pam. We'll try not to have the listeners flood you with too many calls, but it's, I really appreciate you taking time and inspiring many up-and-comers. Truly, you have done a phenomenal job. I, I talked to the owner of the company that you're working for, and we all just stand back in awe of what you've accomplished in such a short period of time. We wish you the continued success. It's an honor to get to continue to work with you one-on-one as I am. 
But I just wish you the best, and I encourage the listeners to pay attention to Pam Jenkins. She's already doing well, but she is truly one of the up-and-comers of for a long time in our industry as a leader, as a female leader. Pam, thank you so much. Thank you, David. I love that interview. Share that with others in your community, those in your company or those who are aspiring to leadership. Share that with them. I appreciate that. Appreciate Pam Jenkins for being here. Next week, we've got Pete Gabrione joining us, another Chief Operating Officer with Midwest Equity Mortgage. Now, they're really involved in mergers and acquisitions, and that is getting to be one hot topic that's going on. So I'm very excited to have Pete come on and talk about what they're doing. Now, they're one of the acquirers, acquiring companies and bringing them in. And uh, we're going to have Pete come on and talk about those trends, what he's seeing. There's a lot of great information. And they sold their company into, got sold to David Robnett, a good friend and client. So uh, we want to hear about the journey. And so Pete could speak both from a seller standpoint as well as now out and acquiring other companies. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Black Knight, Open Mortgage, Finastra, ResX, Warehouse Lending, Division of United Bank, the MBA, Lenders One, Mortgage Collaborative, CMLA, as well as Velma, KnowledgeCoop, Vidyard, and AI Assist. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week. Look forward to having you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.